What's going on, guys? This is Passive Wealth Strategies for Busy Professionals. Thank you for tuning in. Today, our guest is Eddie Speed from The Note School. Today, we're talking about creative financing and just strategies that Eddie has used to make money during tough economic times. You know, Eddie's been buying notes, buying real estate since 1980. He's seen up markets and down markets, and he is as prepared as anybody for our current situation, you guys. Uh, he and I have a, a mutual connection. It was really great to, to talk with him about that as well and connect with him on that. He's got some uh, free, awesome resources for you guys. Uh, the, the URL's in the show notes, and we, we talk about it in the show and, and, and what he's putting out there for you. But uh, if you're somebody who wants to learn about creative financing for real estate, either as an active investor or a passive investor, these lessons are useful for you and can be useful for, useful for you. For those of you who are new to the show, I'm your host, Taylor Lode. I'm a real estate investor, real estate syndicator. I buy real estate with passive investors and share the return. Love talking about real estate investing. And today's episode is one of those that just gets me so fired up as so many of them do. So thanks for tuning in. Without any further delay, here we go with Eddie Speed. Eddie Speed, thank you for joining us today. How are you? Thrilled to talk with you today is how I am doing. Uh, for the folks out there who don't know about Eddie Speed, they don't know about Node School, you know, can you tell us about your background a little bit and what you do? Well, I started buying discounted notes actually in 1980. So I was a kid, 20 years old, and uh, got just fell into the business. My father-in-law was kind of a pioneer buying seller finance notes. And I started with them and, you know, it's funny. Uh, I started in 1980 and in 1980, things were terrible, right? <laughs> Interest rates were 20% and uh, every builder, realtor, banker thought they were going broke. And it's funny, I started into a business at 20 years old, taught a new way of thinking because that's all that I knew, <laughs> right? Yeah. And I was around all these people that were like, had been in the industry forever, yet I was doing better than them. And it was because I was just taught a new way of thinking and they were stuck in an old way of thinking. Interesting. So, you know, I, I'm trying to put myself in that uh, mind frame. I mean, I don't have a reference to, to market interest rates of you know 20% and, and such, but what was that mindset that really uh that you learned or the way of thinking that you learned that really set your uh, your strategy and yourself apart so i was 20 years old um so obviously i didn't have a lot of business experience i didn't have a lot of i didn't know the mortgage industry or real estate necessarily right but my father-in-law was a pioneer of buying seller finance notes so there was this there was this crazy abundance amount of seller finance notes created, right? Because they seller finance properties because you can make an affordable rate. So then so we were buying seller finance notes. So I would go into a, 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 an environment where people had been in the business 10, 20, 30, 40 years, considered experts in their field. And they were like, oh, woe is me, right? And I'm walking into a business going, oh my God, it's the best thing I've ever seen. And the, and the reason I even bring that up today is because look at where we are, right? I'm trying to reposition a world and thinking that while this pandemic is terrible and it is, 
it's also going to yield an incredible opportunity for people that understand creative finance, note strategies, all that kind of stuff. It just always has. I've lived through every cycle since 1980. Yeah, the people who are taking action and, and thinking differently can really, they get off to the races and they're making things happen. Um, so, you know, what does that, to, in your mind, what does that mean you know, right now or say a couple of months from now as things continue to evolve? You know, I doubt this is going to be a, you know, a V-shaped recovery. Um, so you know, what does that mean to you in terms of, you know, what is creative financing these days? So here's, a, here's an example, right? A, 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 somebody owns a property and instead of pay, trying to buy the property at a discounted price, you get them to carry the financing for you, okay? But the terms that you dictate are not what a bank or a mortgage company or a hard money lender would agree to, right? So you can pay more for the property because you're paying for it with tomorrow's dollars, not today's dollars. Then you could structure it and resell it on a wrap note or rent it or just a zip beard of things. That's it. That's so. That's one audience. You and I are have a mutual friend that's probably the biggest operator in your town, who's yeah. a very good friend of mine and 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 a, and a student of mine, right? So I teach those level guys how to do creative financing. I've done a lot of work with self-directed retirement account companies, right? So take a self-directed retirement account company, and you find somebody with a hundred thousand dollar note, a seller finance note, right? And you buy the note, not at a gigantic discount. Maybe you pay 80 or 85,000. So you only buy it at 10 or 20, 15 or 20% discount. It's not huge, right? That's a 20 year cash flow, right? It's paying every month, like a thousand bucks a month, just for easy math. It pays a thousand bucks a month, right? For 20 mm -hmm. years. So you buy that note and then you turn around and find some burnout landlord, which the world is full of, right? Yeah. 18 million rental property residential doors more than there were 10 years ago. You're telling me that 25 to 30 or 40 percent of those people aren't frustrated landlords? You know they are. <laughs> so then true. you carve up and sell them 10 years of that cash flow. You buy the whole account in your retirement account, buy the whole note, right? Mm -hmm. you're, you're entitled 20 years worth of payments then all of a sudden you sell 10 years worth of payments to them at like a, 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 a reasonable return, five and a half or 6%. But they're the bank. It's not, they don't have, they don't have, they don't have taxes and insurance. They're just the bank. They're collecting payments. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden for that, they fund $80,000. Just mathematically, that's how much they would fund. So you got, almost nothing invested up to 5,000 invested, depending on what you paid for the note and you own the back 10 years of the note. That's creative financing. Ah, uh, okay. So what happens if the, the person that, that took out the note with you, you know, refinances and, and pays you out and thereby, you know, pays out the investor that you approached, how do you handle that with uh, paying them off? So there's two different amortizations running at the same time, right? There's the, there's the payoff of the whole loan and then there's the payoff to the partial investor. And so, so if it paid off, if let's just say easy math, if you paid 85,000 for the note, so you had 5,000 invested, 
and they have 80,000 invested. And if, the, if you sold them a, the, the, the note and the loan paid off the day you bought it, the payoff of the loan would be a hundred. Mm. The investor would be owed 80 and you, for your $5,000 investment, you get 20,000 bucks back. And every day since then it gets better. Wow. Okay. So do most investors or do any investors say that take that $80,000 position, are they going to say, Hey, I want, you know, a little bit of a kicker if this is, you know, paid off early. Look, you're dealing with burnout landlords. Mm. They've already been promoted a piece of real estate or two, three or two or three pieces of real estate that were rentals, right? They just, they don't want the cheese anymore. They want out of the trap. (laughs) They just want want to earn a five and a half, six percent return and not have brain damage. It's, it's the best deal of their life. And there's enough of these people out there. And I don't mean this in a wrong way. I just wouldn't let them dictate the terms. There's too many people that, that want my worm on the hook <laughs> to go agree to something that I don't have to agree to. I've been in this doing this 40 years. I've trust me, I've been in times when I've agreed to all kinds of stuff I didn't want to agree to. But I'm just saying right now, we have perfected this strategy so well that it's a great deal for them. Interesting. That I love. I love all these uh, analogies. It just helps it helps it all stick. You know, they want the cheese, but they don't want to get in the trap. And you know, uh, that's great. So, I, you know, from what you're saying, it sounds like uh, the concept of creative financing has you know, really evolved over time and and continues to evolve. I, you know, I, I just kind of want to get a picture for you know, how that has changed and in kind of a nuts and bolts sense. I mean, the, the interest rates used to be 20% when you got started. Now we're at zero. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, what did it really look like then compared to now? I mean, would this, you know, selling off the partial strategy work then? Would it not, you know? That, that's how we perfected these strategies. We perfected them in markets that were bad. We didn't perfect these strategies in great markets. We perfected them in the markets that blew up. And the only way we could make a deal was the property value was dropping. And so we could only buy the first third of the note. Hmm. So we would buy a a partial third of the note and fund less money. So we could reduce our investment in the note compared to what the property was worth. Right? So we figured out these kind of workout strategies in, in the tough markets, but then we've, Like I I did 20,000 partials from probably 1980 to to 2000 in my company, right? I run a high volume note buying business, right? But I didn't know how to do it in a Roth IRA account until 2000. Now we have definitely in the last 20 years made that a significant impact, not just for us personally, and it has been gigantic for us personally, but we've made that something that note school is really taught and, you know, whatever. And so people that, a lot of people, um, you know, they, we get in our mind in retirement accounts, we have to just have millions of dollars to go make millions. Yeah. I can show how to somebody go take a fairly insignificant amount of money, right? Insignificant, it could be 10,000 bucks or 50,000 bucks or a hundred thousand bucks and go turn it into millions with some leveraging strategies like that. I mean, I've done it, but once again, you know, that's just somebody that's willing to go learn something, right? I mean, it's not a, 
it's not a card trick. It's a process. <laughs> I love that. I, that. That's a, it's not a card trick. It's a process. I, I like that. I'm, I'm a big fan, big fan of the, uh, analogies and things here. So in, you know, getting started as a node investor, I mean, presumably you're talking to a lot of people who want to get into the note business, whether they have real estate investment experience or not. And, uh, you know, what's your biggest you know, recommendation for folks who want to get into the, the node investing side, particularly now as, you know, there's, there is a bit of market turmoil. And, you know, like you said before, I mean, now's the time when, you know, the, the best and most motivated, educated, creative people are going to really outperform. Well, you know, I, when we all don't know what we know and we don't know what we don't know. Right. So mm -hmm. part of my process is, is to kind of show people some ideas and start down a road so that they can understand what this process looks like. Right. You know, there's, there's the very simple, you know, like a little online workshop and just kind of show somebody the math and, you know, lay out a cash flow of that note and circle the, the cash flow that you sold and circle the cash flow that you keep and all that. Kind of. So we, that's to me where somebody should start. If they think they're interested, then they start there. And then all of a sudden they can figure out where they want to be. I, as I told you, I just finished uh, a three-day virtual class. And we've never done three-day virtual classes. We've done now two, but we've never done them before because, you know, it's, it's three days and, you know, we're showing a lot of creative ideas and you just wonder if you can really connect with somebody over the, you know, the airwaves like this. And yeah. This is the biggest class in 20 years of teaching I've ever taught. I think that that's just incredible. I mean, people are motivated. They want to learn and, you know, the, the technology and doing these things virtually really allows you to scale. Uh, but things that I've seen on, you know, kind of these online learning things is that people aren't really... They're, they're not as like dedicated or as engaged as they might be at a, a, a live in-person class. What was your, what's been your experience there? Are people well, engaged? I set some conditions with my staff. I'm 60 years old. I've been doing this 40 years. I don't mean to be disrespectful, but this ain't my first rodeo. Yeah. Right. If I, if, if I'm going to do training, I'm going to train people that want to learn. And, and if I'm a TV running in the background, I'm out. Right. Yeah. So I told my staff, I mean, like we're going to have engagement with these students. We're going to have pre-interviews before the class. I want to know who's in the class. I want to know what their story is. So I know before I walk in there, how many hotshot real estate investors I've got, which I had some, you know, guys, the 300 house a year types. And then I want to know the guys in there that just have self-directed retirement account money and really, are burnout landlords and don't want another pain like that, right? And so then I, I I taught all of these different things in the business and we kept going back and forth and I felt like we made it interesting. We, our retention rate from the very beginning to the last second of the last third day, we only lost, lost about 7%. And guess what? Those 7% aren't a fit. Aren't a fit. Yeah, that's okay, true. Okay, fine. They self-identified self, they self -identified themselves. It's, it's no problem. I, I'll hug them from a distance, but I'm just saying that I, that I, this, I don't do this for them. 
I do it for the people that really say, I want to go do something. And as you can see, I like it. Yeah. I mean, it seems like, uh, it seems like you're having fun with it. So, you know, Oh, I am. I am good. I'm glad. You know, we're, we're at a tough time, you know, right now. And, and as you said, since uh, 1980, there have been a number of market disruptions, notably, you know, the one 10 years ago that, well, 12 years ago, that, re- that really it hit the real estate market harder than any others in the past. And, you know, we haven't, in my real estate investments, we haven't really seen an impact yet as we record, but we're not out of the, out of the woods yet. Um, and from what you said before, you know, the most creative people are going to do the best. But as far as impact, you know, on the market at large, what are you expecting, you know, just so we can kind of get ready for what things are going to look like? Um, I think the hotter the market, the more it's going to get hit. I think that there were some markets that were overheated. Uh, Florida, you know, South Florida, um, you know, uh, Denver, Phoenix, uh, the red places. You know, if you look at, uh, you know, some of the things that real estate economists, you know, Portland, Seattle, the Bay Area, those markets were already kind of tipping in the wrong direction. And uh, there, there's, it's, it's going to be a factor. Um, a really smart real estate investor, a guy that I've done a lot with. He, I've talked, I network all the time. As I told you, I, you know, our friend Frank, I talked to him, communicated with him several times this week. He's bought four houses with seller financing in the last three weeks. Wow. And he's bought four in his whole career before then with seller financing. <laughs> that's wow. why that's why he was engaging with me right and so um it's it's definitely a factor uh you know the, the notes that we have we're lucky we think we've got about 1500 assets under management and globally you know different accounts from retirement accounts to capital fund to post you know you know company portfolio core portfolio period so far and i'm knocking on a lot of wood here uh, yep. so far, I'm, uh, we haven't had a lot of slippage. We're not foolish. We expect some slippage and we expect to have to modify some loans for some people. Um, but you know, I got to tell you something, our portfolio, the average seasoning on the notes we own right now is over six years. Wow. So those notes have been in existence for over six years on average and the borrowers have been paying reliably. That's correct. Interesting. Hey, and- yes, I mean, skin in the game, you know, there's, they got, they got, they got emotional equity, roses in the flower bed, they say, right. They want to live there. And once again, we're not going to be unreasonable with them. If somebody, you know, has lost their job and they need a 60 day bridge or something, I'm not going to, I'm not like sending out a letter to all my borrowers saying that, but obviously our servicers are working with them and we're, we're sensitive to not be irresponsible to them at this point. We feel like we have a working relationship with them. But the truth of the matter is, um, you know, I'm, I'm much happier with my loan portfolio than if I had a rental portfolio. I think that. Yeah, you make a good point. I mean, uh, like you said, roses in the flower bed. I like that. Um, people who own the home making mortgage payments, they really don't want to lose that place. But, you know, Tenants, renters, 
you know, it's not, a, there's not as much attachment. They don't have as much invested in the place. So they don't want to get evicted, but it's not as big a deal. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. What percentage of your portfolio have you done that uh, strategy with the, the partial on? Like, is it, is that scale across a, a larger portfolio or, you know, is that kind of a specialty type of thing? What, what do you so think? So that strategy at the moment, we pretty much focus that on our retirement strategy. So we have, uh, my wife has become like the expert at it. So I'm really like run note school and a family of companies. And she just sits over on the side just investing for our retirement account. Now we do have a company 401k that's self-directed. So we've got a Roth 401k, Roth IRAs. We've got Coverdale educational accounts, got a grandkid, right? And, uh, and then also uh, we've got, and we have, we've, she's done all this for our kids. And then, uh, then we've got health savings accounts. So with a family of accounts, I think we have nine different accounts that she wow. runs. So, so she does this probably 50, 60, 70 times a year. But wow. you kind of do the math. And it's, it's, it's really something. I mean, it doesn't sound like a lot of accounts, but just that analogy that I gave you, which that analogy is our average. Just the analogy that I gave you, you know, probably says that in a retirement account, just one transaction on a, you know, just a financial prediction model, it probably grows your net worth by 60 grand. But it sounds like, you know, I, from just managing my own retirement accounts, you know, all the accounts that you uh, rattled off and, and your, the investments in there, I mean, it sounds like that's a, a full-time job just to manage. For my that. wife to do that many deals, it is definitely a full-time job. And we have become very skilled at outsourcing. So, you know, I, I want to get a picture too from the, the, from the other side of the equation. If there are outs, uh, excuse me, if there are burned out landlords listening right now and they want to find, you know, a guy like you to, you know, they can get it, get into note investing kind of in a more passive way uh, than, you know, becoming you. Yeah. What's the best way to find, I mean, find Eddie speed or, you know, get started in that way and learn how to evaluate these deals and sponsors and everything. Well, you know, that's the advantage of having the microphone, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna give I'm gonna give your listeners a, a a website that we can connect, and then we can show them whether they want training or they just want to be a passive investor. Uh, it's pretty simple. I'll give it to you towards the end too, but it's just gonna be noteschool.com, and then forward slash passive wealth. Right. Love so it. it it connects right noteschool.com passive wealth, and what we do in there is just say look what can we help you with, right? Note School has thousands of students at trains that implement the strategy that we teach. So if you don't like working with my wife, Martha, and you just want to be a passive investor, I'll connect you with somebody wherever you, close to where you live or whatever. I'm, I'm happy to do that. So it won't be just about me. But if you like Martha, my wife, and you think she's competent at it, then you can figure that out. 
And then if you're one on the other side, if you want to go come hang out with a little bit of training and learn a bit more and see if you really want to go forward. You know, I, I look at it like this. I, I'm perfectly okay with somebody wanting just a little bit of information to figure out if they're comfortable with it. And then they say, I just want to be totally passive. If that's where they are, I'm totally good with that. Yeah, they need, uh, yeah, they need a little bit more information to really inform yeah. that decision which way they want to go. So I like that. Right now, we're going to take a quick break for our sponsor. All right, Eddie, I've got three questions I ask every guest on the show. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right, great. First one, what is the best investment you ever made other than in your education? Lights out. I bought 40,000 notes. Best, best investment I've ever made is in what I've been doing for the past 40 years. Tried other things. Definitely the best. Can you give us an example of something you tried that didn't work out? Rental property. Hmm. So you are the, the, or were at one point the, uh, the burned out landlord who needed to get out. It, it, it didn't take much for me to be a burned <laughs> and, 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 and by the way, I tried landlording in, in, a, in a bad market condition. So in 1985, right at the end of 1985, I bought a package of about 20 rent houses. Now here we were in business every day. We were young and full of fire and vinegar and, you know, going to go conquer the world. And so we buy these rent houses and the market in Texas fell off drastically in the, the 1986 financial debacle where all the banks and savings and loans where they later formed the, the RTC resolution trust corporation. So I lived through about two or three years of trying to keep these things propped up and fixed and rented and whatever and stuff. And I, then I started realizing how good my business was, right? So, so it's not that I wasn't enticed by the concept of rentals. I think I can understand why anybody that saw rentals as a great strategy, I can understand it because I knew how I felt at that time. Mm -hmm. Just after I lived it and experienced it, compared to the effort it took to own notes, it seemed kind of silly to me. <laughs> nice, interesting. And I got so, lots of friends that are landlords, by the way. So, yeah, you have. Uh, hey, in your business, you have to be friends with landlords, right? Oh yeah, they're going to get burned out eventually. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I'm I'm cool with them. I don't. You know, I, I want to find somebody, I like to find somebody that I can help that is looking for a change. If somebody owns a bunch of rentals and they're just amazingly love them, then fine, go do that. That's great. Nice. I will say this. We manage 1,500 notes with a fairly skeleton business of employees. If we had 1,500 rentals, we would have five times our staff. Mm, yeah, yeah. A completely different management problem for, for you to handle too. Yeah. Yeah. So we had the, the best investment you ever made. I feel like we might have hit on it. But the second question is, what is the worst investment you ever made? Had to be rentals. There you go. We got it. We already covered that one. My favorite question at the end of the show is what is the most important lesson that you've learned in business and investing? It's mindset. It, it's, it's not, I, I'm pretty good with a calculator. 
I'm called a deal architect. I'm good at structuring financing or, you know, configuring how financing's constructed and, you know, cash flows and those things. And it's kind of something I've got a 40 year experience with and I like doing it. But the truth of the matter is that's not the most important thing I've ever learned. The most important thing I've ever learned is mindset. Do you have a, a particular practice or like, you know, way to get your, your mindset in the right place. I mean, I find a lot of people do, some people don't though, you know, do you have something that keeps your mindset right? Here's a good, here's a good simple strategy. I learned it from a friend. I didn't think of it. He probably learned it from somebody, but you know, we're passing them down. He writes down a piece of paper. He says he does this every day. I don't have to do that every day. It's just not the way my DNA is. But I understand if somebody was, I don't need to write my goals on the mirror either, but some people do. And I get that. Mm -hmm. But he just says, I write down on the left side of the page, the things that I can't change and the right side of the page, the things I can change. And I just commit to focus on the right side of the page. Interesting. I like that one. I really like that one. I might, I might try that one out. Well, Eddie, thanks for all the lessons today and, and joining us and, you know, teaching us about creative financing uh, for notes. That's great. If, if folks want to learn more about you, where can they get in touch? So just go to noteschool.com and then I'm going to build a special little page for your, for your audience. Okay. I'm going to give them some gifts, some nice stuff. We're not going to be pushy or obnoxious with them. Uh, but we want to give them some stuff and if they want to learn more, it's fine. If that's just all they need, we'll be happy with that. Noteschool.com forward slash passive wealth. Nice. I love it. We love when folks come to the show and add value and you've definitely done that today and uh, with your, your content on your website, I'm sure you're going to do the same as well. So thanks for coming and, and joining us and adding value to the tribe. Thrilled to be here. Thank you. It's great to talk with you. Great to get to know somebody that uh, mentors Frank Cava. He's a, an awesome, successful real estate investor here in my hometown. And uh, just great to have that mutual connection. To everybody out there, thank you for tuning in. If you're enjoying the show, please leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It's very much appreciated. It helps other people learn about the show. If you know anyone who could use a little bit more passive wealth in their lives, please share the show with them and bring them into the tribe. Thanks for tuning in once again. I hope you're doing well in this coronavirus pandemic. We'll talk to you on the next episode. Bye-bye.